you know, I, I fondly remember lots of students that were great performers, but um, it's it's the ones that need a little extra help that that are struggling with what to do in their career or trying to make a certain grade to, you know, pass a course or whatever. There, there's some struggle that um, challenge in their life that's that's um, kind of holding something up and working through those that that's by far the most satisfying is seeing students succeed. Welcome to the Business Class Podcast, where we dive into conversations with alumni, students, faculty, and staff from the University of Dayton School of Business Administration. You'll hear career advice, conversations about ethical decision-making in business, and listen to stories from life on the UD campus. Here's your host, Dean Trevor Collier. Hello, and welcome to the Business Class Podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode and tune in for future conversations. Today, I'm joined by Marsha and Tim Keen. The Keens are both accounting faculty here in the School of Business at UD and both hold leadership positions. Marsha is our Associate Dean for Undergraduate Programs, and Tim is the Chairperson for the Department of Accounting. As you may have guessed, they are a married couple. Thanks for joining me today, Marsha and Tim. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I'd like to take our listeners on a journey here from the the beginning of your time as undergraduate students through to your current experiences now as as academic leaders here at UD. And along the way, uh, we'll we'll discuss, you know, the decisions you made about where to go to college, uh, your your romantic relationship, if if you're uh, willing to share some of that with us, uh, your early career, your return to graduate school, and and then finally your transition into leadership roles. Uh, as I understand it, you guys both went to Butler University for undergraduate uh, degrees. Could you tell us a little bit about your, your search process and, and how you ended up with, with going to Butler? Um, and let's uh, maybe we'll start with Marsha. Sure. I'm originally from central Illinois, and my parents said that they were willing to support me going to some school that was within about a four-hour radius. So I looked at schools that were within about four hours but I wanted something that was relatively personal. So I wasn't looking for a big state school. I wanted a place where I could feel comfortable getting to know my professors and wouldn't feel like a um, small fish in a big pond. So I chose Butler because I had the opportunity to visit them on at the time what was called a Butler Business Day. And I met some of my faculty members. And when I interacted with them, I thought, I think this is a place where I could learn how to be a professional. And to me, that was something that was really important. It was more than just what you did in the classroom. It was also what you did outside of the classroom. Uh, Tim, what about your search for, uh, for college? Uh, you know, I went to a high school with 300 students. My graduating class was 80. And so I, you know, and we lived in Lexington, Kentucky at the time. And, and so I was familiar with UK. And I knew I didn't want a school that size. That was just just way too big for me to, to even imagine going to school. Um, and so I was looking like Marsha for something smaller uh, that was more personal where I would know people or I might know my professors. And so I, and my parents similar gave me a one state radius, any, any state that in Kentucky or that borders Kentucky is where I was kind of restricted to. And so I, I, I like data. So I did a lot of searches and searching and, and, uh, Kind of settled on a few um, and Butler. It just, um, I think it was the last one I visited of the shortlist. And it just, I also, I was a year, a year ahead of Marcia, and it was also Butler Business um, Scholars Day or whatever they called that. And and uh, it was kind of some scholarship application, uh, scholarship interviews. And 
I mean, they just blew me away in terms of um, just the quality of the program and the professionalism of their of their people and, and the opportunities that they had and that they could offer their students. It just um, just it, it was just clearly for me a better fit than than anywhere. It was I, I knew it then. It was just a much better fit for me than the other places I had looked. So a school with a graduating class of 80 in Lexington, Kentucky, I'm guessing, because I'm from Kentucky, yeah. Lexington Catholic? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lexington Catholic. Yeah. They've grown since. I think um, it's bigger now. Yeah. It's, it's actually quite a bit bigger now. They were a little down um, in numbers and then they hired a new principal and he started, I think, my senior year or maybe incoming after I graduated. I can't remember. I almost guessed Sarah, but I figured 80 is too big for Sarah. Yeah. Um, so what what uh, what led you both to becoming uh, accounting majors? Well, I, I went in as an accounting major. Um, I took a not that this is any indication of what accounting is really like, but I didn't know that at the time. I took a accounting class in high school, and I liked it. And I've just always been somebody who likes information and likes numbers and likes to learn things from numbers. Um, to, to give you a sense, I was a, my first job when I was 14 was, um, the scorekeeper for the little league. Um, and, and I, because I just, baseball was a passion back then. And I just loved the, the data and what you learn from, from numbers. And, and it's just amazing, you know, the number of things that they collect and, and what you can actually glean from it. So for me, that was kind of where I was always attracted to and, and, um, you know, accounting is different things in different areas, but that's really what I've always gravitated to is just learning from data and, and collecting, measuring, and, and learning things from it. What about you, Marcia? My, my story is a little different in that I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a professional. I knew I always wanted to go into business, and I received some guidance from one of my high school teachers said he thought I might be a very good actuary because I, I like analysis, I liked data, I liked logic. And I also had uh, my aunt and uncle said, I think you also might like being an accountant because they had some family members who were an accountant and they, they thought that it might be something that fit me. So I entered as an undergraduate as a double major in actuarial science and accounting. And I, I found out I didn't like accounting. And I also discovered that I didn't like actuarial science either because I thought they didn't interact with people as much as I had hoped. So I changed my major and I went on a pretty long journey with uh, finance and I considered um, different types of engineering. I also considered adding sociology. And then when I was a junior, I started talking to some friends who were in accounting and actually Tim was one of those friends and they had had internships in accounting in public accounting, and I learned that accountants actually talk to people. And I thought it wasn't really the, the topic that I didn't necessarily like. I just didn't know what you would actually do with it. And so the, once I understood what you would do with it, I ultimately changed my manager back to accounting. Sounds like a fun journey you went on. 
it was a pretty long road. It was pretty tumultuous, especially since I, I received scholarships with both majors. So, so that was also a, just a financial consideration, obviously, uh, going to Butler, a private school, it, it wasn't something that it was a big decision for me and my parents, but it was contingent upon keeping those scholarships. So I was thankfully able to at least uh, keep some of those and, and able to graduate in four years after the journey finished. Well, I, I'm sure that's a great story for our undergraduate students to hear as, as some of them struggle figuring out what their major is, that you were still able to switch that many times and graduate on time. It was, it's not something I would recommend. It wasn't an easy process, <laughs> but it was definitely, I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad that I pursued my passion and waited to find my fit. So Tim, what, what activities outside of the classroom did you participate in while you were at Butler? The usual like um, business uh, groups and clubs and that kind of stuff, um, you know, an accounting club. I forget. There were some other uh, organizations that were business related, Alpha Kappa Psi and, and some of those other things. I can't really remember exactly what those were, but um, that was probably the, the biggest extent of my um, outside stuff, but, you know, I was an avid basketball fan. So UD is, is pretty similar in that respect with just a passionate fan base and, um, you know, a team that's easy to root for and, and get behind. So I spent a fair amount of time in Hinkle Fieldhouse during my, during my uh, four years in, in school. Uh, it was probably the biggest uh, fun thing outside of just, you know, school and, and academic type things. Were you uh, a member of, let's say you were at UD, would you be part of the Red Scare? Would you have your face painted down in the front row? The, no, no. But so they have an area called the Dog Pound. And there's now after we, they were terrible when, when I was there. So I, I'm not, they had like one winning season, I think, when I was there. And and so it was, but it didn't diminish our enthusiasm. It was still fun. And, and they didn't get national prominence until well after we were gone. But um, I sat in the dog pound, but you know, there, it was, there were still seats to be had back in those days, even in the dog pound. So it was a much different experience than today or, or at UD. Gotcha. Marcia, what about you? Where were you engaged outside of the classroom? So like Tim, we were in some of the similar business activities. So Alpha Kappa Psi. And when I was a finance major, I started the finance club. But I, I got that idea because Tim and one of his friends had started the accounting club in the year, year or two before that. So uh, Tim and I, our paths had crossed at, at, in those types of activities. And then we are also part of a, an organization that was for students who had received those business scholarships or interviewed for business scholarships. So it was not only instrumental for bringing us to Butler, but also it created a cohort of students that we interacted with and actually helped to recruit students and for future years as well. And then the other thing I was involved in outside of business was uh, actually orientation. So new student orientation. I was the one of the co-chairs. It was a volunteer activity at Butler, and I was one of the co-chairs for designing and planning orientation for first-year students. And I really enjoyed that. A lot of my friends were involved, too. So I've heard... Your, your interactions, you've interacted with each other a couple times here. Do you all remember when, when's the first time you actually met? 
<laughs> Silence. Uh, <Okay. laughs> I, I honestly, I, I'm sure one of those um, club meetings or something. I, I honestly don't don't recall the the first time. How much did you all interact while you were at Butler? Quite a bit after what junior year. Yeah, once once I saw the light with accounting, that that helps a little bit too. And then your your friends base starts to modify a little bit as you're in your major, and then in, in business classes. And and because I had all of the different majors, I was in different classes at different times. So often I was in classes with the students ahead of me for some classes, but behind with others. And so I ended up taking a lot of classes with Tim's cohort in business. And so we would interact there, and then also with Alpha Kappa Psi and the other organization that I mentioned. So that's where our paths crossed. That's how we knew each other. And then um, we really got to know each other when we were macroeconomics. Macroeconomics. Yeah. So, so we had a professor who had a PhD in economics and education. And so she wanted to use some different strategies for learning that quite honestly made me just really uncomfortable because one of the things she wanted was for us to take essay exams in macroeconomics as a team. Oh. And and so that's a really risky proposition. And at the time, I, I just remember the first day of class, handed the papers back, you got the syllabus, handed it back before you, and somebody said, thanks, Marcia. And I thought, who's sitting behind me that knows my name? And it was actually Tim. And so we ended up, even though we just seen each other around on campus, we ended up actually taking macroeconomics exams together on an, in an essay format, which also meant we had to study together. So that's really how we got to know each other a little bit better uh, beyond just clubs and other sorts of casual interactions. So who is the better macroeconomics student? <laughs> Boy, that was a struggle. Um, <laughs> I, I can't say I remember a lot of it, but I wish I did because that's pretty useful stuff. Um, I think between the two of us, we we came up with something that must have worked. We we learned that we definitely think differently, though, and so that we could. And we've seen that over time too. And just you know, being married for as long as we have been is that you know we we might both be accountants, but we definitely think differently. And so Tim writes very well and writes very logically. And I hop and skip all over the place when I write and also sometimes when I think. And so we actually made a pretty good team. I have a lot of creativity and ideas that bounce around. And Tim was actually able to harness that with his ideas and put that on paper. So he always wrote the exams. I was never the person that wrote the exams. So how did your your sort of friendship and, and studying together, when and how did that turn to dating? So we didn't actually start really dating until after college. So Tim's a year older than I am. He was working in, in public accounting and I was working in public accounting. And so we, we started dating. Obviously, we're, we're good friends and kept in touch. We're both living in Indianapolis. And so we, we started dating after we were both in our professional careers. It wasn't while we were at Butler. And, and so where did you all go next, right? You so you start dating, you're in your first jobs in Indianapolis, but I know you all have traveled around a little bit. What, what was the next, the next spot on your career path? Marcia's saying Tim. Tim yeah, Tim, that, well, that was probably me that drove that, I think, maybe a little bit. Um, I, we lived in Indianapolis. I got, I got tired of the winter and thought, well, 
wouldn't it be fun to move to Phoenix, Arizona? You know, it doesn't, doesn't get cold there. You know, it's pretty cool. It's pretty, pretty nice place. And, and uh, so we ended up um, packing up and, and moving to Phoenix and, and then careers started, um, you know, advancing. And, and so we moved there and then within a year I had a, uh, opportunity within the company for, promotion. And I took that and that took us to Florida then after that. Um, and so within a year we were and now on the East coast, but still a warm climate. That was fun. And that was nice. And then, um, let me, let me pause for a second yeah. so for, our, for our alum, our young alums and our, and our current students, what was that career progression? What was the job you took in Arizona and what was the promotion taking you to Florida? Yeah. So I, I started in public accounting with Ernst and Young. I was just a typical staff auditor. And then, um, you know, usually with with public accounting, there's, there's, um, companies that are looking for people with public accounting experience specifically to kind of jump into accounting roles. And so the company I worked for specifically wanted somebody with big four experience to join their internal audit group. And they used that internal audit group as kind of a, kind of a training ground for new managers. And so that it was pretty typical for them to, you only spend a year, year and a half in that role. And then, then, you know, you've seen a lot of parts of the company know how the business works. I worked for a home building company um, called Dell web corporation and they were headquartered out in Phoenix. And so after about a year, then I was kind of ready to be promoted. And, and that opportunity took us to Florida. So I, I became an assistant controller of their, division in Florida, in Ocala, Florida. And Marsha, what are, you, what are you doing this whole time? So I started my career in, in Indianapolis. I, I had decided between EY in Indianapolis and audit or um, Arthur Anderson in Indianapolis and audit. And I didn't want to have Tim be my supervisor. So I decided to work for Arthur Anderson and I worked for Arthur Anderson in Indianapolis for a year. And then I did what I tell my students not to do. I asked for a transfer within a year and I moved to Phoenix. And then again, one more time, again, did something that I tell my students not to do because I was following Tim all over the country. And I asked for a transfer to Orlando with Arthur Anderson. So I stayed with Arthur Anderson for about four years and I, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed public accounting. I got to that point that I got burnt out. I had just just too many challenges that I had taken on. I kept asking for more challenges. And so um, I stayed though in, 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 um, in practice by kind of moving into a, a slightly different position in the Orlando area. And so how did you all, you've, you've both, sounds like you had nice career paths in accounting and, and what led you sort of into or, or thinking about a, an academic career doing, doing research and, and teaching? Well, we had a little, I think we were probably a little biased in that we really enjoyed our undergraduate experience. We liked being on a college campus, had very fond memories of the experiences that we had, at least I know that I did, and really appreciated the faculty members that I interacted with. They really made a difference. And I can highlight several faculty members that just really made a difference in, in my life in, in some capacity. And one was an accounting faculty member my senior year 
senior year was a little crazy, lots of stuff going on, really busy, had some intense classes. I was trying to catch up on the major, but she took me aside and she said, Marsha, this group project that you have that you're doing with you know, some of your friends, I think we could probably turn that into a research project. And I had no idea that accounting faculty members actually did research. I didn't know what it looked like. And we were going to work together on the project and then submit it to a journal or submit it to a conference. And so we worked on it and just, just something I was doing kind of in my extra time because it just really intrigued me, this idea of, of research. And we ultimately submitted it to American Accounting Association region meeting in Ohio. So we, I drove to Ohio with another student and presented that paper. And I always thought someday, maybe, I think I might like teaching. I, this research thing is pretty interesting. I might want to be a faculty member, but it would have to be a second career uh, because certainly I wouldn't be able to afford to go back to graduate school. But we learned a few things as time passed. We were at that age right around 30 and doing an analysis kind of of where are we in life and we've been, you know, in our professional careers, what else do we want to accomplish? Is there something we want to accomplish in our current careers or something different? And we were doing that analysis and thinking, you know, maybe now is the time. Now might be the time to make that transition. And so we decided to pick up from Orlando and moved to Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, initially, Tim was going to be working and supporting us because graduate students don't make a whole lot. And we weren't quite ready to give up that lifestyle that we had had for the last so many years as two professionals. And once we learned more about it, that Tim had already taken the GMAT, he was ready to go. We realized, let's just do it at the same time. And and so he applied to the program and we ultimately ended up graduating at the same time. So we took most of our classes together, which is relatively rare uh, for a married couple to enter together. Often people get together during a, a PhD program, um, but it's rare for a marriage to actually even last through a PhD program. <laughs> I got to think that was a, a tough transition from two people who are you know, have nice careers and, and are, are making a, a good living uh, to to transition to both of you living off of a, a teaching assistantship or, or research fellowship. Um, you know, my my path to, to academics was was early. Uh, my junior year of college, similar to Marsha, your story, I had a, a faculty member, uh, Bruce Johnson was one of my econ professors. And he found out that I was double majoring in, in mathematics and in economics, the PhD is, is really more math than economics. And he, most of, most of his students, because they didn't take the math, couldn't actually pursue the PhD. And so he got really excited and wanted me to think about getting a PhD, which was really foreign idea to me at that time. I, I was going to do four years and get out and get a job and never, never set foot in a classroom again. Uh, and so he took me to lunch and sold me on the lifestyle really of, you know, living on a college campus and, and, you know, academic freedom, you get to choose what you want to do research in the things that interest you for the most part, you get to choose what, what classes you want to teach and, and continue to engage with, with young people. So he, he sold me that way. And then, uh, and then told me that I could go to school for free and get paid to go to school. Uh, so I went straight, I went straight through, which you know, there's, there's pros and cons to, to that. I think you all can probably bring in to the classroom, some great experiences from your from your professional career, um, but you had to give up the 
the lifestyle, the money and, and go back, which I, I didn't have to do. I just continued to be poor. Um, but I, I <laughs> so, um, okay. So you go to, you go to Madison, Wisconsin, you, you spend a couple of years there, you both get PhDs in accounting, and then you, you started off at the university of South Carolina. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So Tim, what, what was that like? How was, how was life, you know, very, very different from Butler, uh, at, at the university? Very. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I liked the school. Um, I liked living there in Columbia, South Carolina. I liked our colleagues. Um, but that life as assistant professor is stressful. You know, it, it is nonstop thinking about tenure. And when there's two of you in the house that have that same goal and are driven, um, there's not much else that gets, you know, talked about or, you know, it's hard to get away from it. So, so for always, our, our students listening, right, when you say trying to get tenure at, at, a, at a school like South Carolina, you're, you're talking publish or perish, right? You've got to get right. your research published in, in top journals. Right. Yeah. And, you know, people always say, oh, it's it must be nice having someone else in the house that knows what you're going through. And it, it is. It's great. Um, but at the same time, then you never get away from it. So there's there's kind of both sides of it. But um, that was a that was a really stressful time, and you know, not long after we got there, you know, Marsha's dad passed away, and there were just some other stressors. Um, uh, just you know, the the transition, being new faculty members, um, the culture among students was way different in South Carolina than it was in Wisconsin. Um, the the quality of student in Wisconsin is just phenomenal, and not to say that it's not in South Carolina, but it's just different. So there was a lot to get a lot to get used to, and and um, I I just remember just uh, just a stressful time, you know. And and accounting always has a new faculty consortium, and um, Marsh and I reflect on this regularly. That there is a faculty member that presents. He's from Cornell, and he he presents at that new faculty consortium pretty frequently. And he's um, his thing was about okay, you need to be you've got X number of years until you go up for tenure and you know what you need. And so he kind of backs into um, what the timeline is that you need to be doing to be successful towards tenure. And it, that was a wake up. I mean, we were all We already knew what, that it's a tall task and, and that it was hard. And that was a wake up call in terms of the, it needs to start right now. Um, and I mean, that was like, we better go up to the room and, and start working. You know, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was motivating, defeating, depressing all at the same time. But, um, but, you know, we, we, we did what we needed to do and, and made it work. So one of the things as part of that too, that was just a little bit of a challenge occasionally is that we both liked being in the classroom too. And tenure at a research university, like the university of South Carolina is more than just you know, is primarily about publishing, but yet you also have students and students that you care about in the classroom. And so that that created kind of a, a conflict where sometimes we felt like we weren't able to give our students what they deserved. I don't think they ever felt that way, you know, based on our experiences there. We still keep in touch with students from the University of South Carolina, but we just ultimately decided that it wasn't necessarily a fit for us. And actually all of our families here in the Midwest. Um, and so that also is, as Tim referenced, that being a little farther away from family during certain times was also causing some stress. So doing a search for 
for, for a couple, right? How challenging is that? You're both at South Carolina. You decide you want to go somewhere else. I'm, I'm, I'm reading between the lines here. You're looking for a more balanced school uh, that, that, that values both teaching and, and research. What was the search process like? At that time, it was, let's be in a place where there's two schools nearby and we would be at separate schools. So this area of, and, and be closer to family that, you know, as we always said, nobody's getting any younger. And, and uh, we had two nephews on my side of the family that we had barely ever met. Um, And, you know, we weren't seeing family, but once, maybe twice a year. So it was get, get closer to family and, find a place where we can be at separate schools because we, we felt we lucked into our first placement at the same school and didn't think that was likely to happen again. Um, and so UD had been on my radar since our first um, time around the job market. Um, I just, you know, Catholic high school, small private school for college, um, UD kind of fit the Catholic, the private, and not necessarily small, but s- smaller than a large public university. So They'd been on my radar. That was kind of an area we, we figured, you know, this is one area where we're relatively close to family. And, um, you know, Miami's around and other, other schools are in the area that we could make it work. Um, so at that time, it turned out that both UD and Miami were hiring and we thought we'd be at separate schools. But um, my, uh, UD was actually hiring for three. And so there was need for both of us, actually. I, what year was this? 2013 when we interviewed. Okay. So that was my, that was my first year as a department chair. And, and I can remember, uh, I won't share names with the, the department chair for accounting at the time. I can remember walking into a meeting really, really excited that she had just, she'd either read your resumes or just interviewed you. I don't remember which one, but there's this couple at the University of South Carolina that's interested in coming here and they're both rock stars and this is going to be great for us. Um, so I, I, I can remember there, there was some excitement in the department very early on when they had, had seen you guys in, in the search. So we don't tell people a lot is that we actually, before applying even, we drove up over a weekend, checked out campus, thought, you know, is this a really good fit for us? Because we wanted this to be a long-term place, not just a new job, right? And we came to campus, they were still updating the outside of the library, but uh, the university had this feel that just seemed right to us. And I, I still remember us saying, wow, this is a place where we, I think this is a place where we could be. So, so did UD turn out to be what you had expected? Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me it did. Um, I, I, I can't speak for Marcia, but yeah, I, it's a place where, you know, I feel comfortable. I like my colleagues. Um, teaching is important. Research is important, but neither one is, uh, you know, both are, are doable and neither one is, you know, uh, supposed to be the dominant one. They're, they're both equally important. So yeah, for me, it's, um, you know, families nearby and all that, all that stuff. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a great, uh, it's been a great time here. It's already been seven and a half years, which is really hard to believe. You know, I, I fondly remember lots of students that were great performers, but um, it's it's the ones that need a little extra help that that are um, struggling with what to do in their career or 
trying to make a certain grade to, you know, pass a course or whatever. There, there's some struggle that um, challenge in their life that's that's um, kind of holding something up and working through those. That that's by far the most satisfying is seeing students succeed. Um, some of them, frankly, don't they don't need us. You know, I mean, they're they're going to do great no matter what. Um, it's the ones that uh, you you spend more time on that that need that need that help. And it's when it's time well spent and they, they make it through and, and do what they need to do. Um, that's, that's the ones, those, those are the ones that, uh, you know, are more, are more special, not more special, but you know, that they're, that you remember more fondly. It, it's very rewarding to know when you've had an impact and you've yeah. helped, you know, enhance somebody's professional life or their career um, because of their interactions with you. Uh, so you guys are, you've, you've gotten tenure, you've been at UD for a while. You're, you know, you've got that, that sort of monkeys off your back. You, you, you made it. And, and then Marsha, you decided to become department chair. And, you know, there's a great quote from your dad. I hope you'll share in this uh, that you, you've said to me, but what led you to taking on the, that position? So honestly, I really liked not being a department chair. I, I love every aspect of being a faculty member. I, I like research. I really enjoy research. It keeps my mind active. And I love the creativity associated with coming up with new questions and working with my co-authors at other schools. I like teaching. I like teaching new classes. I like teaching undergraduates. I like teaching graduate students. And in graduate classes, you can be a little bit more creative. So I really enjoy that too. And I also like service. So service in, for an academic means being on committees, being involved outside of the University of Dayton. So I've always been, and I think part of this has to do with my professional career as I came in as a 35-year-old assistant professor. And so I was used to being very involved and very engaged. So I was also, I'm also have historically been very involved with the American Accounting Association as an officer or as a committee chair and, and other sorts of things. So I, I liked that part of my role. But I also like the idea of helping to take the Department of Accounting potentially to the next level. So the department had just accounting profession overall has been changing so much over time in terms of it, technology is so much more important than it used to be. Students are leaving UD needing to be able to make judgments, whereas 20 years ago, accountants, they didn't need to make judgments. They needed to be able to carry suitcases full of working papers and other things. And so that rules change so much that I wanted to be involved with kind of leading some of those efforts towards helping to innovate our, our program. And my dad always told me when I was younger that, that basically, you know, if you, if you don't participate, if you don't vote, if you don't step up, then you don't really have the right to complain. And so if I felt like there was something that we needed to do, needed to change for our students. I needed to be a part of it, not just be someone on the sidelines. And so that's one of the reasons why I wasn't necessarily wanting to be department chair, but I felt like it, it made sense when the prior department chair was, was finishing her last term. So Tim, what, what were your thoughts? You, got, you guys have both sort of surpassed this, this hurdle. You now have tenure, things can calm down and relax. And, and your wife says, I'm going to be the department chair. You know, I, I think it was, um, 
in the department, I don't think anybody would have wanted anyone different. Marcia has the ideas that um, she's always, she's, as I've called her before, she's an idea machine and, and she's got great ideas. She's um, uh, for a path forward for different things, how to overcome challenges. And, and she's always, she's always got great ideas to do that. So I was, I was pleased for the department. Um, but she's also someone who kind of dives in and um, wants to fix things day one. And so I kind of knew that things might get a little rocky along the way because that can't, you know, things take time. But uh, but I was excited that, you know, the, the department was in really good hands. So, Marsha, you, you served in that role for, for a year, did some did some amazing things. Everybody in the department seemed happy with the direction and, and where things are going. And then and then somehow you end up moving on to become an associate dean. How, how did that happen? Someone nominated me. It, it wasn't I didn't nominate myself as a potential candidate. And then someone you uh, asked to asked to meet with me about that. And I, I've told some people that that interview was I probably, again, violated everything I tell my students to do because you said, why would you be interested? Why would you not be interested? And usually you would start with the, why are you interested? And I started with the, why I not, might not be interested in the position. But again, as part of that, as we were having that conversation that why might I be interested? And we talked about what we could do with the role or what I could potentially do. And as we we're looking at the accounting curriculum over time and other things. There would be things that the accounting department as, as our little small group would be doing that sometimes I'd have students even say, hey, that'd be great if we could do that for all business students or uh, something we think, hey, this, this knowledge might not, why are we doing this in an accounting class? Maybe we should do it for all business students. And so I thought that being an associate dean for undergraduate programs, that would be an opportunity for me to potentially help other students besides accounting students. Yeah, so, I, you know, I got to work with you, Marcia, firsthand uh, five years ago when we were doing the search um, for the, the Dean search. And, and so I got to see how you interacted with others and these ideas Tim talks about that, that come out of your head and, and then got to watch you as, as a department chair uh, from the sidelines, really, as, as I was just a faculty member in, in the fall of, of 2020, and then in, in the interim dean role, got to work very closely with you for the, the first six months as, as department chair. And, you know, it was, it was very clear to me that uh, you would be an excellent person uh, to step into the, the associate dean role. So I was quite pleased that you even took the, uh, the meeting to talk about that role, and, and then even more pleased when you agreed to do it. Um, but then that obviously left a hole in, in the department that, that needed to be filled. And, and Tim, uh, you know, you talked about the department felt that, that Marsha was the one to, to be the chair, you know, going into the fall of 2020. Uh, but you were clearly the person uh, that the department felt should, should replace her as chair. What were your, what were your thoughts as I, I came to you, um, you know, on my hands and knees asking you to, uh, to step in and be the chair? Well, this was um, what April, I think, and uh, after May, so we had like I don't know three weeks of class left, and I was supposed to be on sabbatical after the spring semester, and I was skipping into work and whistling on my way, and and <laughs> just thinking about sabbatical and what I'm going to do, and and uh, then this comes up, and so. Um, I remember one of the first questions you asked was, 
asking about how do you feel about the sabbatical? And, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to give it up, but it was, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things. If you, if you can contribute and you're needed, then, then I, I will do it. So, um, wasn't real happy about not having that, but you know, it's, it's been a good, it's been a good experience, a, a new challenge. Um, so it, um, hopefully the faculty have uh, <laughs> gotten, gotten what they needed out of it too. Well, it's something the three of us all share. We, we've, we've all now given up our, our first sabbatical. I, I became a, technically I became a department chair the day I got tenured. Um, and so I also gave up that, that first sabbatical. And, and I think I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my horn. I'm trying to toot your horn. Uh, the, the two of you sort of being willing to, to do that, uh, I, I think is a, is a very sort of Marianist, very UD sort of sense of community type of thing to do. Um, I think it's, it's, it's symbolic of, of the university, the culture here. And, and it's, uh, I'm very appreciative of, of your all's service in, in these roles. And I, I know other faculty uh, are, are very much um, thankful that, that you both were, were willing to step up and, and serve in roles where you were, you were much needed. Let, let's talk a little bit more about, about UD and and away from your jobs, what if you had one place to eat on or near campus, where would you go? So I've got one and this is really this is really not super exciting at all. And I, I see. Well, I probably have two, but we'll we'll stick with with one that is uh, and it's potbelly. So so as crazy as it sounds over the last couple of years, I've had former students behind the counter. I don't know how many years now I've had one student that a former student's been behind the counter for the last three years. And then before that, there was another accounting student, both accounting majors, and she was there and a shift leader. And she now works for PwC and is, you know, a senior, but it seems like there's always a friendly face behind the counter there. So just to be clear, these aren't, these aren't UD graduates. These are undergraduates <laughs> that were in one of your classes at an earlier point in their career. Working their way through school. Yeah, that yeah. is correct. They are still, they usually start working as maybe a sophomore. I see them in classes there. And then some worked all their way through their master's year too. So it's, it's been kind of, it's just fun to see in. And I, I've heard of some faculty members being a little concerned about going to a place where students might work, not UD faculty members, right? And uh, preparing your food. And I, I don't have any concerns about having uh, these students preparing my food. So that's always just kind of a nice positive to see a friendly hello behind the counter. That's good. Tim, what about you? I thought sure Marsha was going to say Dewey's, but, um, <laughs> but that's, so that surprised me, but um, yeah, I go to Potbelly a fair amount. Um, I go to Chipotle a fair amount. There's uh, you know, if, if you go, a little up, more upscale from that. I uh, um, I always enjoy a recruiting dinner at the Oakwood Club or or something like that. That's always uh, that's always a treat. Um, so yeah, this is I, great. It, you guys are throwing some new ones out there. When I talk to alumni, almost every single one of them throws out Milano's. Uh, so it, it's nice to hear or or Pine Club, right? Which they, they, no, nobody ate at Pine Club when they were a student, but that's where they go now when they when they come back. So I like to hear these. We've been there. Milano's is too crowded to get into. So that, that one is usually not, not on the list. What's your, go ahead, Marcia. I was going to say Pine Club is actually where we, we celebrated getting tenure. Ah. So, 
So we went to Pine Club and then also because we wanted to really make it a Dayton experience, uh, we also went to Bill's to get donuts afterwards. So that was our our 10-year celebration. Well, we'll just make this an advertisement for Pine Club. Uh, this th- Today, when we release these, these episodes, we're on a three to four week delay. So today's November 16th. We're recording this. This is my second day on the job as as dean of the school of business, and and last week when I was offered the job, my wife and I went to Pine Club to celebrate as well. So it's a good good celebration spot. What what's your favorite place on campus? Oh, I love the. Uh, I don't even know what you call it, but just that wall of open space outside KU, and um, I, I, that for me is just the picturesque. Um, quintessential college campus where students are like in, when the weather's nice, they might be laying in the grass or throwing a football or whatever it might be. And for me, that that's just my, by far my favorite spot. What about you, Marcia? So if I'm walking back from Pot Valley or someplace on Brown Street, I always do a, a, a not direct route to Miriam Hall rather than walking down Stewart. I always like if I have time, I like to uh, go in front of the, the law school and, and turn around and come towards the chapel. So I like to, to walk towards the cha- walk up the hill towards the chapel. And then I usually I also like to walk in the, the reflection garden behind the chapel in St. Mary's and through there. I just always think it's really I always enjoy seeing people sitting at the benches and just enjoying being outside. And then you walk past heritage. So for me, it's more of a little, little tour and experience that I like to do regularly. That's a beautiful part of campus over there. I'm, I'm, I'm my favorite spots, price serenity pines. I'm not sure if you all know where that one is. As you go up towards the dorms, there's just a little quiet spot that there's a little bit of a waterfall and, and some pine trees and you can kind of, kind of get lost over there. I, I learned that one um, from Leadership UD, and I had I did not know it was there, but I I agree that's a pretty special spot. In any other stories from from your time at UD that that were memorable or 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 funny that that you all could share with us? Maybe a basketball game, Tim, as a as a sports fan. Well, unfortunately, we we had season tickets our first two years, and we were focused on making tenure here, and we went to very few games. Um, so we ended up giving up our tickets. So unfortunately, um, actually, we had first four tickets um, the year when UD played here, and uh, Jordan Seibert and his his teammates kind of. I think Jordan Seibert won it there at the end against Boise State. That was probably oh, that was a great ex- game. That that was probably one of the most exciting games I've ever been to. Um, one of the rare that. times a NCAA tournament team got to host their own game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was quite a, quite a game. And so I remember that one pretty fondly, but unfortunately when we had season tickets, there, there just weren't enough, enough opportunities to go. Well, let, let's do this. I know you all travel around a lot and go to baseball stadiums and, and there's a, you, you have a list you're checking off. What stadiums are left that you have not been to? There's three. Marsha can list them. This is a test, just so uh-huh. you know. So this will <laughs> this will indicate my my baseball knowledge based on how I describe them. But we have not been to Dallas. We have oh, it's Arlington. Arlington is that Arlington, right? Yeah, yeah, Arlington. We have not been to Houston, and we have not been to San Diego. But we we added Baltimore this year, so that was one that check off our list. We were hoping in in twenty to twenty to actually go to the last four in one trip. 
but obviously that wasn't a good time to to do it. But Tim had it all planned out where we could do it, go to all four on one in trip. a week. It was going to be week. great. Yeah, we were going to go from Baltimore to Dallas to Houston to San Diego and back home in a week to see four baseball games. But but I did ask that we add a little bit of extra time, so we actually enjoyed San Diego. That was the place I wanted to end, and maybe. The negotiation was we would spend a few days in San Diego if we did four baseball games in a week. So I've probably been to less than 10 major league ballparks, but ironically I have been to Arlington and I have been to San Diego. Uh, <laughs> so I have something on you, Tim. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll get there though. <laughs> what are you going to knock anything off uh, this, this coming year? Any plans? Nothing formal yet. I would sure like to. We have a tendency to, to, to add one or two sometimes just to not really spur of the moment, but sometimes on relatively short notice or by being a little creative. So that's that's how we've been able to do a few of them. Well, I look forward to hearing about that. Um, is there anything else you guys would like to share with our audience or, or any questions you all have for me? I think the only thing I'd have to share is that uh, one of the transition pieces that was really surprising coming to UD from being at other schools was how polite um, and professional the students are when they interact with me. So I used to teach accounting 305 intermediate financial accounting, which was not exactly known as an easy course. <laughs> no. And, and I was consistently amazed at how a if a student didn't perform well they would take basically credit for that and apologize um, and say what can I do differently it was never never at least to me did they ever indicate that it was my fault in some way um, and and then the other thing that I was just always impressed by was again how I actually had to help the students to not be embarrassed by their performance rather than actually complaining about the exam or their performance. And so I've seen that consistently with UD students over time that it, it is a special place where it's very unusual to give back an exam and not have students say, what about this one question? I'm not sure that I agree with that. And I, I never received that in the time that I was teaching intermediate financial accounting, which is really impressive. And I think it says a lot about our students. I think we have some, some really special students and uh, this is a, a fun place to work. And hopefully for, for you all uh, having that desire to be at a school similar to Butler, uh, you, you've hopefully you've, you've found that here. Uh, so Tim and Marsha, I want to thank you for taking the time to, to chat with me today. I, I really enjoyed listening to your story and your, your career paths. I hope our students and our alumni enjoy listening to that as well. And uh, I hope our, our listeners will join us again for the next episode of the Business Class Podcast. Go Flyers. Thanks for joining us for the Business Class Podcast. If you'd like to engage with us further, please follow us on social media. Our Instagram and Facebook accounts all use the name SBA. You can also email the Dean's Office with questions or suggestions for future podcasts at sbadean at udayton.edu. No matter where you are on your career path, we are proud that you're part of our Dayton Flyer family.